What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John, and this week we are back with episode 80, where we will be analyzing and predicting the UFC on ESPN 6 card headline by Dominic Reyes versus Chris Weidman. This 13-fight card will be aired entirely on ESPN2 with the 7-fight prelim card starting at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and the 6-fight main card starting at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. That is ESPN+. All 13 fights will be on ESPN+. And that's really all we got to say, so let's just dive right into these fights. Uh, They're taking place in Boston, Massachusetts this Friday night. It's a Friday event. This event will take place tomorrow night and about 24 hours exactly. So a little bit of a late episode this week, but we have an early card. So that's why you're getting a little late. So starting things off in the heavyweight division, we have Daniel Spitz, who is 6-2, taking on Tanner Bosser, who is 16-5-1. The opening betting line for this one was Spitz, the minus 255 225 favorite to Bosser at plus 190. Right now we are seeing... Bosser, the favorite, at minus 130, two spits at plus 120. So the line has flipped, and a ton more action is coming in on Tanner Bosser's way. And honestly, I don't really get it. Uh, This seems like a pretty even matchup from both perspectives. They're both kind of similar fighters to one another. They both like staying on the outside, throwing a lot of leg kicks, not really engaging in the pocket too much. The main differences between them are Spitz has that UFC experience. He has, I think, one win in the UFC, but he also has some some pretty bad losses in there as well. He lost to Mark Godbeer, just got outclassed by him on the floor and on the feet, and then just got dominated by Walt Harris too. Was pretty scared to engage that entire fight and got finished in the second round. But Bosser is making his UFC debut on this one. He's fought some pretty good competition over in ACB, but he just hasn't really looked too impressive getting those wins. He likes winning by decisions, by outpointing you. He can be pushed against the cage. He can have some takedown defense issues, and he really just doesn't have a lot of aggression, doesn't throw with a lot of power. So it's going to be a pretty close fight. I see them both kind of mirroring each other, staying on the outside, throwing a lot of kicks, not wanting to engage in the pocket. Neither one of their boxing is too strong. So I got a side with Spitz in this one. I think that he has the the more athleticism. He's got that reach that he could possibly use. He's got that UFC experience. And I just don't see a, a way that you can confidently uh, bet a favorite in this fight i think that spitz at plus 120 is a pretty decent value especially after he opened at minus 225 so the pick is going to be spitz to get it done Uh, i think he does enough to win the rounds to get a decision the next fight takes place in the middleweight division we have kevin holland who is 16 and 4 taking on brandon allen who is 12 and 3 the opening betting line for this one was Holland minus 230, Allen plus 170. And right now we are seeing Holland minus 160, Allen plus 150. So more action coming in on the dog Allen side in this one. And I'm a bit surprised, honestly. I think this is a pretty favorable matchup for Kevin Holland. I'd say Allen definitely deserves to be in the UFC. And he looks pretty well-rounded from what I've seen on tape. He has fought good competition over in LFA and the Contender Series. But he just hasn't really looked too dominant in one particular area uh, and I do not think that he will be able to 
hold Holland down. I think he will attempt takedowns on Holland, but I think that Holland's uh, defensive grappling and his jiu-jitsu will be good enough to avoid spending too much time on bottom. I think he should get back up to his feet or possibly threaten uh, Allen with a submission, getting top position himself. So on the feet in this one, I just think that Holland has that uh, has the reach advantage. He's just slightly the, the more fluid striker. He's going to have more effective striking at range in this one, and I think that he is uh, able to avoid the, the submission attempt and the grappling uh, efforts of Allen, and he's eventually going to tire Allen out and possibly even get that finish late now. You don't want to bet too heavily on Holland because he has uh, a tendency of getting into really, really close decisions, mostly split decisions, honestly, and he doesn't really do that much to win. He's not very aggressive. He doesn't push a high pace, and he kind of fights a little lackadaisical at times, so it's kind of risky uh, putting your money on him at, at uh, minus 150 or higher, but I do think he wins this matchup, and I do favor him probably up to around minus 200, so if you're feeling bold, bet that money line of Holland, but if not, then just just pass this fight. Uh, there's, I would not say there's any value on Allen. The next fight takes place in the welterweight division. We have Sean Brady, who is 10-0, taking on Court McGee, who is 19-8. The opening betting line for this one was Brady minus 190 to McGee at plus 150. And right now we are seeing Brady minus 210 to McGee plus 190. So even more action coming in on the debutante Brady's way in this one. And another spot where I don't quite understand the live movement in this one. I think Brady has looked decent on tape. He's fought good competition over in CFFC. But just doesn't really excel in one area it doesn't have the best output he looks well-rounded decent boxing decent takedowns uh, top control ground and pound has got a few nice knockouts along the way as well but just i don't see one area where he's going to be able to dominate court mcgee in, and that's what you're really relying on uh paying minus uh 200 on him in this spot so i think mcgee still got a lot left in the tank i mean he just came off of a win over alex Oliveira. he lost or alex uh garcia excuse me he lost that uh decision to um Diego Lima, not the most dominant loss in that one, but I just think that he can still uh, push Brady against the cage, possibly look for takedowns, have the better cardio in the spot. I mean, I mean, McGee is the much more experienced guy by far, and even though he's getting to the tail end of his career, I still think he could possibly grind this one out, pushing Brady against the cage, getting the occasional takedown. But if it stays that distance, I expect Brady to be the one landing the better shots, and we could see Brady uh, put together his breakout performance and really put everything together that. He he's been showing on the uh the regional scene then it's like when you watch his regional fights he shows maybe one good thing this fight another good thing the next fight he just doesn't really chain it together and show his full well-roundedness when he fights so i think this fight is more like a 50 50 type of fight and in that case, you got to side with the, the underdog, plus 190 underdog in Court McGee in this one. I might be making my pick a little bit based off of the bet because I think there is a lot of value on McGee. But I'm going to pick McGee to grind this one out to get the win by decision. I think Brady probably wins round one, maybe starts feeling that gas tank uh, diminish a little bit in the, that UFC debut, uh, cardio uh, drop. And then he starts to lose rounds two and three by just getting pushed against the cage, taken down, and grinded out by McGee's uh wrestling style so the pick is going to be mcgee to get it done by 29 28 decision the next fight takes place in the bantamweight division we have randy costa who is four and one taking on boston salmon who is six and two the opening betting line for this one was 
Salmon, the favorite, at minus 165. Two, Costa, plus 125. Right now, we are seeing Salmon, minus 140. Costa, plus 130. So, two-weight action coming in on this fight, and rightfully so. It's a pretty close fight. I'm really looking forward to it. It should be really exciting. Two young guys who like getting after it, both uh, specialize in boxing, are probably going to be trying to knock each other out in the first round here. So, this should be a really good fight. So, the way I see it is Salmon is the more technical fighter. He comes from that amateur boxing background. He should be the better striker on paper in this one, but he he would should have been the better striker on paper in his last fight versus Khalid Taha too, but he ended up getting knocked out with an overhand right like 30 seconds into that fight with Taha. So a little bit of a, a mental lapse in that one. Hopefully he's looking to bounce back with his best performance, but that was that was a bad sign from Salmon in that one. Uh, he kind of killed most of his chances at being a, a legit prospect in the UFC after that performance, but he's looking to get back on track here. Same with Costa. Came in the UFC 4-0, only had like three or four minutes worth of cage time, and then ended up uh, getting thrown to Brandon Davis in his first fight. Looked respectable. He came out trying to take uh, Davis's head off, landed a few good punches, but he he just lacked composure. He lacked footwork. He didn't have the greatest technique. Didn't have good defense. His cardio dropped off. His takedown defense or he or his submission defense wasn't good. Eventually getting tapped out with a rear naked choke with no hooks in. So it just looked like his cardio just died on him. And I think that he will be uh, in a lot better shape. I think both guys will be in a lot better shape. Costa will probably have better cardio better composure maybe not go so crazy looking for the knockout in this one and salmon is going to be looking to play it a lot more defensive uh, not making a, a critical mistake like he did last fight and getting knocked out so i think in round one cost is going to be dangerous i think he's going to see that salmon got knocked out last fight maybe has a bit of a defensive uh, boxing liability and he's going to try to replicate what taha did and he's going to try to knock salmon out in round one now he has also done that in all four or five of his pro fights as well so there's no real reason to believe that Costa isn't going to try to knock him out in round one. And I think he could present some problems from Sam and he could land some hard right hands and Costa throws with like 100% power. So round one should be dangerous for Sam and if he survives round one, I think he does win the win the fight, possibly getting that second or third round finish or most likely just uh, outboxing uh, Costa to rounds two and three decision. But with Costa's cardio not being too good, he could have another cardio drop off and then Sam could finish him in that in those later rounds uh so i think that pre-fight costa is actually the, the the value side in this one despite him being a pretty raw four and one fighter without much technique i think that he probably looks better in round one and you might get salmon as an underdog after round one so uh we also could see salmon possibly knock uh costa out in round one because he's got that superior boxing and could just find a home for uh that left hand or something but uh, I think that eventually this fight goes into the second round, and I think Salmon gets the finish then. So I'm going to pick Costa to have some early success in this one, maybe live bet Salmon as a dog in between rounds one and two, and then Salmon to turn up the pressure, cardio, Costa to have that cardio drop off, and then Salmon's going to get that second round knockout, probably finding a home for that straight left hand of his. So I'm going to go with Costa, or Salmon to get the second round knockout. The next fight takes place in the featherweight division we have kyle botchniak who is eight and four taking on sean woodson who is six and oh the opening betting line for this one was botchniak the favorite at 
minus 170 to Woodson as the underdog at plus 130. Right now, we are seeing minus 120 Bochniak to Woodson plus 110. Another surprising line movement in this one. There's been a few of them so far, and this is another one. I'm surprised Bochniak is not more of a favorite in this one. Woodson coming in making his UFC debut has looked pretty underwhelming on tape so far, especially his Tuesday Night Contender Series fight. I mean, it was a respectable performance. He took the fight on short notice, five days short notice as well. He's got that tall, lanky frame, six foot two. It's very long and tall fighter for um, the featherweight division. But he has he showed pretty good takedown defense in that fight. He defended some some choke attempts and then uh, eventually was able to get back up to his feet and land a flying knee in round two and get that knockout in the second round. So up until that flying knee, he was definitely losing the fight. He got taken down. He got his back taken. He got uh, a few sub attempts thrown on him. But he was able to withstand that early attack and then he was able to knock uh, his opponent out on the feet. So it was a respectable performance. I just wasn't really blown away with it. It was a nice comeback win, but. I mean, that fight lasted eight minutes long, and he was losing seven minutes and 30 seconds of it. So, uh, I, and then his other fights, I just really haven't been impressed with his punching power. He's got, he's that, he has that long, skinny frame, and he just doesn't pack a lot of, of punch behind his strikes. And that's that's not what you need versus Bosniak, because Bosniak has crazy pressure. He marches forward the entire time, throwing bombs. Uh, he has good takedown defense himself. He defended eight of nine of uh, Enrique Barzola's takedowns. He, he was pretty soundly outstruck by uh, Hakeem Duwadu in his last fight, and that's where he does struggle when he's fighting the more technical striker who has good back backwards movement like Duwadu or uh, Zabit Magomed Sharapov. Both of those guys were constantly moving backwards and outstriking Bajniak, but I do not think that Woodson has that, uh, that backwards movement and striking te- uh, capabilities in order to outstrike Bochniak while he's going to be moving backwards. So it's going to be Bochniak marching forward the entire time. And Woodson's going to have to find a way to stop Bochniak because he's going to be, uh, Bochniak's going to be landing more volume. He's going to be the aggressor. He could be the one landing the harder, cleaner strikes, maybe even looking for a takedown. So it's going to be difficult to, to, uh, to see a path to victory for Woodson in this one because I think, in my opinion, he's going to have to land that that flying knee shot like he did, that crazy powerful knockout shot out of nowhere, or possibly get Bochniak down to the ground and uh, land a submission on him. But Bochniak's takedown defense has been good. His chin has been insane. This guy can take a fucking punch. So it's really hard to see Woodson getting that finish, and I don't see him being able to out-volume and stop the... Constant forward pressure of Bochniak either. So, this is a really favorable matchup for Bochniak. I think I already bet uh, two units on him around minus 140, and I might have to add a little bit more in this one. because this is this is some pretty decent value on, on Bochniak in this one. Wouldn't go crazy on it. Not like a max bet on Bochniak because he's not the most reliable guy. And he doesn't particularly have the best path to victory himself in this one. I mean, it's just out-voluming Woodson to a decision is his best uh, path to victory. But I'd say that's the, the most likely outcome. And I'm going to pick Bochniak to win by decision. I'd give Bochniak's chances in this fight more like 70 75%, minus 300 or so. So massive value on Bochniak in this one. The next fight takes place in the women's strawweight division. We have Molly McCann, who is 9-2, taking on Diana Belbita, who is 13-4. The opening betting line for this one was McCann, the favorite, at minus 195 to Belbita at plus 170. Since then, betters have been smashing that Molly McCann line. She is now minus 525 to Belbita, plus 450. 
I understand it in this one. McCann looks like the much better fighter. She's completely uh, better in every area, I would say. She has the better wrestling, better top control, and the better striker has more output, better boxing technique. You know, the list goes on, but it's not quite worthy of being minus 525 in this spot. I mean, it's still women's MMA. It's still not the highest level. McCann has looked great in her past few fights, improving fight to fight and cashing, uh, cashing bets as an underdog, I might say. She, she came through for a lot of people as underdogs in her last fight versus Lipsky, and I'm still eternally grateful for McCann for that one. I was actually picking McCann to pull off the upset in that one. So big fan of McCann. She's a really likable fighter. She does some fun things in that in the octagon when she's in there, and uh, she's no joke. I mean, she has been making legitimate fight-to-fight improvements, and I've, I've been impressed with her. And Belbita, making her UFC debut in this one, pretty pretty basic skills all over the, the, the spectrum of MMA in this one. Her striking skills are really bad. Uh, she, she does two things. She either marches forward and throws huge combinations and brawls that out on the feet, or she's super low output and picks her shots. It's like a weird contrast that she does in some of her fights. Uh, and when she's when she's brawling like that, she has no defense. She has no technique. She's just winging punches. She has not fought very good competition at all. Pretty much every time she fights a, win, uh, a fighter with a, lose, a winning record, she loses. And she got just dominated by Raza Farasin in her most recent loss. She got pushed against the cage. She got taken down. She got grounded and pounded. She got stuck on her back, outboxed on the feet, double-legged a few times, and then eventually got choked out with a mounted guillotine. So I just think that this fight heavily favors McCann. The odds indicate that. I won't spend too much more time on it. I think McCann boxes her up, stuffs any takedown attempts, possibly hits her own takedown attempts, and very likely gets the finish in this one. This is going to be a pretty uh, pretty diff, uh, huge uh, skill discrepancy in this one. I really favor McCann in this one. I'm going to pick her to get the third round TKO, ground and pound TKO from the mountain in this one. So McCann is going to be the pick. The next fight takes place in the featherweight division we have Manny Bermudez who is 14 and 1 taking on Charles Rosa who is 11 and 3 the opening betting line for this one was Bermudez the minus 175 favorite to Rosa plus 135 right now we are seeing Bermudez minus 150 Rosa plus 140 so two-way action coming in on this fight Rightfully so, I actually really like Charles Rosa in this spot as the underdog, and I've been fading Bermudez for a while now. We we faded, no, I wouldn't say totally faded in last fight. I mean, the Casey Kenny read was there. We read Bermudez like a book on the Martian MMA podcast the last time he fought. We knew that Casey Kenny, despite having that size disadvantage, he was going to be the better grappler. He was going to outposition Bermudez, and that's what he did for the first two rounds of that fight, and he secured the decision victory. So it's going to come down to the same thing in this fight i just think that rosa is the better positionally sound grappler i think that bermudez has some decent submissions decent chokes triangles that he can throw up from some awkward angles but he is not a positionally sound grappler and what i mean by that is he's not the type of guy who to take you down to establish a dominant position and to uh, let the sub come to him he doesn't he doesn't take his time. He doesn't have good top pressure. He really likes snatching submissions in transition like a guillotine or maybe jumping a flying triangle or something like that. But in terms of, of 
holding people down and to and making the sub uh, come out naturally he he does not do that and that's where he's going to struggle in this fight because if he's looking to just snatch up a submission like he did versus kenny he's not going to get it he's going to end up on bottom he's going to have the better grappler on top of him in this one so even though Ro charles rosa is coming off that long layoff he has not fought in 30 months it's a long layoff but i'm actually pretty confident that he's going to be in good shape here few reasons he he's from massachusetts this fight will be taking place in boston he's gonna have the crowd behind him and he, if you check his instagram this dude's been training like crazy he's been training in thailand working on his striking he's been training at uh, american top team the best gym in the world he's been traveling all over different countries working on working on his boxing and his jiu-jitsu his wrestling he documents it all and that's exactly what you want to see not a guy coming off the couch who just heard of an event coming to a local uh massachusetts and decided to get a fight he's been training hard he's been making improvements and i actually think we're going to see a better charles rosa than we did a few years ago and i should mention for this fight also bermudez did miss weight and he's moving up to 145 so he's fought at 35 before he missed weight for that he made 140 like three months ago and then all of a sudden now he can't even make 145 i think he weighed in at 148 or something so bermudez has major weight issues uh, I think that, I mean, he just doesn't look in good shape. He he, he looked pretty soft on the scales. Mo he moved up in weight class and he still missed weight. I mean, that's a terrible, terrible sign. And you can still get Rosa as a plus 140 underdog in this one. So I think that Rosa is able to avoid the sloppy uh, submission attempts from Bermudez. He's able to end up in top position on the ground. And when it's on the feet, I think that it actually should be a little bit competitive. I think that Bermudez actually has some sneaky good striking. He was landing his right hand pretty, uh, pretty decent against... Uh, Casey Kenny, not the highest level uh, striker is Kenny, and he's also way undersized. So I just don't think that that right hand of Bermudez is going to be enough to compete with Rosa on the feet. Rosa's got the much more diverse striking, the, the crisper boxing, the better kicks, and I really favor Rosa in this one. I think that despite that long layoff, he's going to come in here and he's going to cash as that plus 140 underdog. So we're, we're nearing a, I'd say we got two units already on Rosa. I'd say we're, we're uh, prospecting a third unit on Rosa in this one. It's a really good matchup, and I think he's going to cash as that dog. So the pick is going to be Rosa to get it done by decision. Now moving on to the main card of this UFC Boston card. We are starting things off in the middleweight division where Darren Wynn, who is 6-0, is taking on Darren Stewart, who is 10-4. The opening betting line for this one is win the minus 185 favorite to stewart as the plus 145 dog right now we are seeing win minus 115 stewart plus 105 much more action coming in on the dog stewart's way and rightfully so because that initial opening line was set way too in favor of darren win i mean he looked good in his debut and everything but let's not get out of hand capping him two to one over stewart even though he looked good in, in his debut, winded, he wasn't able to get any takedowns. He comes from a wrestling background, but his boxing was on full display. Had a super high output, was able to land, I think, 170 significant strikes on Eric Spicely. Now, that's a good and bad thing. It shows that he has great output and that he can uh, land close to 50 punches around on average in his first fight. But he was landing those punches clean on Eric Spicely, and you shouldn't have to take uh 170 strikes to to hurt someone or to knock them out so i think he uh, the official statistics say he landed 125 significant strikes to the head and he still really didn't hurt 
hurt spicily at all. So I'm really unimpressed with Wynn's power, and he's definitely going to be at a power disadvantage here versus Stewart. Stewart is a, a super battle-tested guy. He's been in the UFC for a while. He's got some nice wins, losses, has a couple knockouts, some decision wins, decision losses, knockout losses. He's got a little bit of everything, and I just trust Stewart a little bit more in this spot because Wynn will have that advantage for sure in, in the in the output he's going to be throwing more strikes and it's going to be hard for stewart to win the rounds when when win is being so so active it really you're really relying on stewart getting the knockout in this one for him to win because he just doesn't have the output to match win i mean he's notoriously low output himself compared to win who lands 11 strikes a minute or something like that so small sample size on win of course that's why he has 11 a minute but uh, in this fight i think that it stays mostly on the feet. I, I don't think Darren uh, Wynn will hit the takedowns, although Stewart has shown some takedown weaknesses in the past when he got outgrappled by Shabazi not too long ago. So the takedown could be there for Wynn, but I just think he keeps this one standing and outvolumes Stewart for another decision. The bet in this one is going to be Stewart no scorecards. That means if Stewart gets the finish, you win. If Stewart, if the fight goes to the, the decision, you get your money back. And if he gets finished, you lose. The reason why I'm betting that is because Win landed 125 strikes to the head versus Spicely still wasn't able to finish him. I doubt he's going to be able to finish Stewart. And Stewart doesn't have the output to win on the cards. The only real way that he can win is by finish. That's why the score, no scorecard bet is a good one for this one. So the official pick is going to be win by decision, but the bet is going to be Stewart, no scorecards. The next fight is in the women's flyweight division we have macy barber who is seven and oh taking on jillian robertson who is seven and three the opening betting line for this one was barber the favorite at minus 210 to robertson plus 170 right now we are seeing barber minus 125 robertson plus 115 so the people who came in early on robertson definitely got that good line that line was set a little too wide in my opinion I do agree with Barbara being the favorite in this one. She is the the more well-rounded martial artist. She's definitely got a little bit of uh, name recognition and hype behind her as well. But Robertson is solid. Um, she's really one of the most positionally sound grapplers, uh, women grapplers in the UFC. And the only time I've really seen her make some bad mistakes on the ground were versus Silva when she got armbarred uh, from her guard, which was a pretty vital mistake. And it possibly could be a threat here because Barbara has some good submissions off her back. So let's get down to how this fight's going to play out. And it's going to be Robertson looking for the takedown. She should have an advantage in the jiu-jitsu game, but just a slight advantage. I would say maybe like a 60, 65% to 40, 35% to, uh, to Barbara, if you know what I'm talking about, slight edge to Robertson on on the ground, but on the feet, I give a huge advantage to Barbara, like an 80-20 split to Barbara. If this fight is at range, it's going to be Barbara landing the hard strikes. She's got some decent punches, kicks, and knees. Uh, leaves her chin wide open and doesn't have good boxing defense, but Robertson really doesn't throw strikes. She's really looking to get inside, close that distance right away. She doesn't mess around with striking at all, and that's the right move because she is a grappler. She needs a little bit of striking to set up her takedowns, but not much else than that, and in the clinch in this one, another huge advantage for Barber. I think uh, Robertson got chewed up in the clinch versus Barb Hanchak, taken down by Hanchak, and controlled on the ground by Hanchak. So 
Robertson is definitely has her weaknesses. The striking and the clinch aren't the best for her, and she really only has the the takedown and the submission as her path to victory in the spot. It's a legitimate path to victory. I just don't think it's it's the right side to be betting on because Robertson can only win the fight one way, and that's getting takedowns, top position and possibly getting the submission or winning rounds like that. Meanwhile, Barber could win the fight by keeping it on the feet and stuffing takedowns. She could do that for 15 minutes, win a decision. She could knock Robertson out. She's finished both of her opponents in the UFC so far in the second round by TKO. And she could potentially be the one on top of the grappling exchanges on the ground. Barber is a very legitimate grappler. She has been taken down in the past. Um, let me let me bring up the women's names. Um, she she did get double legged uh, a few times in, in her uh, LFA fights, and that was not a good look. It was the Mallory Martin fight and also the Audrey Perkins fight. She spent some time on bottom in both of those fights. She did have some decent scrambles to get back up to her feet. She was able to reverse position. I think both or all three times she was taken down, she was able to reverse and actually get like a back take on uh, Perkins and Martin. So she definitely doesn't have a good first layer of takedown defense, but she can scramble on the ground. She can retain guard. She can threaten with the submission off her back. Haven't been too impressed with Barbara's submissions because in those few fights I mentioned, she must have had three locked in arm bars and five locked in triangles and just couldn't finish any of them she wasn't really facing two high level grapplers she had some good entries to the submission it looked like the triangle was there she just couldn't finish it for some reason and robertson on the other hand has been looking great with her grappling been taking uh, women down tapping them out has has had has had some good submissions over ufc level talent like Sarah Frota, like Veronica Macedo, Molly McCann, Emily Whitmire, Hannah Cyphers, she's subbed all of them, and all five of those women are, are UFC, eh, Frota's not really a UFC level, and she got cut, but four of those women are legit UFC level uh, fighters, and Robertson was able to tap them all out, so the fight is kind of submission or bust for Robertson, she could get uh, Barbara down, maybe with a double leg, a single leg, possibly a caught kick, could uh, flatten Barbara's shoulders out, maybe get her in the half guard, pass her guard, get on top, uh, side control mount, back take, and get that submission. That's her path to victory. I, I'd say the chances of that happening are like 30, 35%. That's just not good enough for me to bet on her at the money line. So the money line value is on the favorite Macy Barber in this one. I think she's able to avoid getting uh, stuck on her back versus Robertson, able to avoid the submission, keep this fight standing, and do some real damage versus Robertson on the feet. So I'm going to go with Barber getting another second round TKO. Uh, she's two for two on, in second round TKOs, and I think she'll get another one here. So the pick is going to be Barber to get the second round knockout. The next fight takes place in the lightweight division. We got Joe Lozon, who is 27 and 15, taking on Jonathan Pierce, who is 9 and 3. The opening betting line for this one was Pierce minus 135, Lozon minus 105. Right now, we are seeing Pierce minus 160, Lozon plus 150. So more action coming in on Pierce's way. And I I understand why. I wouldn't say I agree with it. I understand why. And it's people fade in Joe Lozon. And they have every right to do that because he has looked, well, I'd say, worse and worse over the past few fights. He's coming off of a long layoff. And he's just had an insanely long career of wars and, and knockouts and cuts and back and forth fights. And 
Full disclosure, Joe Lozon is one of my all-time favorite fighters. He was one of the, or the fighter to get me interested in watching UFC all the way back in 2013. And I got I got into the Joe Lozon game a little late because I think his, his best years were already behind him by the time I became a fan of him. Since then, it has suffered uh, more losses than wins, I would definitely say. He's picked up a few decent wins uh, over the past few years, but for the most part has been declining, losing decisions, and most recently taken a lot of damage. The Clay Guida fight he got knocked out in a minute and that grits mocker fight last fight was just brutal man he Lozon looked good for the first maybe three minutes he was winning for the first three minutes and then his cardio dropped off he started eating punches and for from the three minute mark to the 10 minute mark was just Lozon eating punch after punch it was pretty brutal to watch luckily the 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 corner stopped it in between rounds and that's why you're seeing people fade Lozon here is because he's taken so much damage. He's at the end of his career. He's definitely on the verge of retirement. This very well could be his retirement fight. But it's a winnable matchup for him because Pierce has not looked that impressive to me, honestly. He he was fighting a, a guy named Baker, and this guy was a terrible fighter. And he struck Pierce struggled finishing him. He had him hurt multiple times. He just didn't have that good finishing instinct to get the 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 finish, the knockout or the submission. It took him like five minutes to finish this guy while he was extremely hurt. And the thing is about Lozon is even though he can he doesn't have the greatest chin, he doesn't go out from one punch. He can take uh, an insane amount of damage and it's like he doesn't he doesn't get dropped and, or knocked down very frequently he just gets knocked out on his feet he still has his feet underneath him and he's still fighting but he's just not really there and it's going to be hard for Pierce to finish him um, and then that Rosales fight on the Tuesday night contender series Pierce's boxing defense didn't look very good uh, he was get, he was landing some punches but he was also uh, absorbing some too I think he lost that first round and he almost got his neck snatched at, at the end of that round one too. Rosales shot a nice takedown and then transitioned to a guillotine and had that guillotine totally locked in. P Luckily, Pierce was able to like get his foot on the cage and the cage saved him from getting tapped out in that one. But I think he he left his neck a little open there and that could be a, a pass to victory for Lozon in this one. And just on the feet, uh, Pierce Pierce's boxing defense is just predictable he he moves his head in, the, in a very uh, similar repetitive way he doesn't move away from punches well and i think that this fight is winnable for lozon in not only on the in the grappling where he should have the biggest advantage but i think lozon could give him some trouble on the feet as well because lozon does throw leather for those first few minutes i think that he Hopefully he realizes that he cannot come out and brawl like he's 24 years old in the UFC anymore. You know, he's 35 years old. He's been fighting in the UFC for 10, 12 years straight at the highest level. And he's got to adapt his fighting style. So if he comes out here a little more calm, a little more calculated, and looking to pick his shots on the feet, he could end up landing on Pierce. Maybe looking to set up that takedown and get that submission on the ground. So this pick is a little bit based on the fact that I love Joe Lozon. I would love to see him retire on a win. Seeing him get a, a win right here in Boston and retire you know, would just mean the world to me, honestly. I'm not much one for sentimental moments in MMA anymore. Ever since we started betting, uh, you, you, can't be, you can't be fans of guys anymore. But you have to take each one of their fights uh, fight by fight. 
And but that but Lozon's one of the few guys who I will su- support no matter what. I'm picking him in the spot uh, because I want to believe, and it, it's it's a decent matchup honestly. So I think the value is definitely on Lozon in this one. Even though uh, Pierce has looked uh, decent on tape, he's fa- facing uh, an old fighter who's on the way out. I don't think you can be laying minus 150 on him to win this spot. There's just no evidence that he can beat Lozon. Uh, you're kind of just fading Lozon, which I you know that he might win, and and you might be correct about this one, but. I don't think that Pierce will look minus 150 out there. So uh, the pick is going to be Lozon to get it done by first round submission. The next fight takes place in the heavyweight division. We have Greg Hardy, who is 5-1, taking on Ben Sassoli, who is 7-2. The opening betting line for this one was Hardy the favorite at minus 450 to Sassoli at plus 350. Right now, we are seeing Hardy minus 295 to Sassoli plus 265. So actually, a little bit of action coming back Sassoli's way in this one. And it's pretty surprising, honestly. I mean, I haven't really seen anything from Sassoli on tape to think that he can beat Hardy. Sassoli is that typical Australian heavyweight who just throws punches, doesn't have any defense, no know nothing besides punches that's all they do we saw it last week with uh tafa or a couple weeks ago with tafa got knocked out in the first round we saw it with tai tia got tapped out in the second round and i think sasoli is getting knocked out in the first round here i mean it's 2019 and these guys are coming into the ufc expecting to just be haymaker punchers i mean i know the heavyweight division is pretty bad Greg Hardy is a very consistent fighter in the heavyweight division in 2019. That says it all. But you can't be coming in here just expecting to be throwing straight hands. And it's kind of hypocritical that I'm saying this because Hardy is just pretty much straight hands. That's all he does is throw hands. But he's just so much more athletic. He he covers distance with his punches more. He's definitely got the better defense. He throws with more power. His punches honestly have a more crisp technique. Sosoli looks like a bum. He just marches forward with his hands low. He can't stop a takedown. He got dominated on the ground by Espino. That won't really matter in this matchup. But he was getting hit a lot versus uh, Fatal. He got hurt by Fatal. He lost all composure. He was super like like bending over in pain. He eventually came back and landed a, a left hand that dropped his opponent, Fatal, and he got the finish. But I just think Sassoli's defense is terrible. I think that Hardy's going to find a, a home for that right hand early in the first round, and it should be a slobber knocker uh, fight. Of course, Hardy could get knocked out. The guy doesn't have great defense himself. He's still very raw, and they should swing it out uh, until one man falls in this one. So it's entirely possible Sassoli pulls off the upset, but... I pretty heavily favor Hardy in this one. He's got the athleticism advantage, the power advantage, the UFC experience, fought the better competition, and I think that he finds a uh, home for his uh, his power punches and gets the knockout in the first round in this one. So the pick is Hardy by first round knockout. In the co-main event, we have a rematch from only one month ago in the featherweight division. Yair Rodriguez, 12-2, taking on Jeremy Stevens, who is 28-16. The opening betting line for this one was minus 110 for both fighter. Right now, we are seeing minus 105 for both fighters. So a, a dead pick em, a coin flip. Uh, the odds indicate that both of these guys have a dead even chance at pretty much 50-50 uh, with a little bit of uh, wiggle room to cover the books uh, to make some money. Um, if you don't understand what I'm saying, they couldn't make it plus 100, plus 100 because then they wouldn't make any money. 
if they made it plus 105, plus 105, they would lose five cents on every dollar. But when they make it minus 105, minus 105, they're making five cents on every dollar no matter what. So even if you win a bet, they're, st they're still making money. Uh, so getting down to this matchup, we broke it down last month on the Mexico City podcast. You can go back and listen to that one if you want a little more detail and analysis. But I'll start off with their most recent fights tell the tale of this fight. Not well, not the not the the rematch that or not the one fight that got canceled. If you don't know what happened in the first fight, they square off 15 seconds into the fight. Yair Rodriguez pokes Jeremy Stevens in the eye. It was so bad Stevens couldn't see. The fight was over in 15 seconds, so nothing got to play out. But if you look at their fights before that, Yair Rodriguez loses about 18, 19 minutes of that fight versus Korean Zombie, struggles with the uh, the boxing of Zombie, gets out-volumed, eats a lot of punches, and then finally lands that up elbow to get the knockout in the very last second of the fight. It was insane. It was crazy. But don't let it distract you from the fact that Yair Rodriguez lost 18 minutes of that fight. He, he did not look good striking backwards. He struggled with the, the volume of Korean Zombie. He got outboxed and... Moving over to Stevens, Stevens fought Zabit Magomed Sharapov, one of the best backwards-moving strikers in the sport. That means if he's moving backwards and Stevens is ch is chasing at him, Zabit can move backwards and strike you at the same time, which is a very hard skill to do. And Zabit does it pretty much better than anybody in the UFC. But even so, Stevens' pressure was wearing on him. Zabit was tired in round three. Uh, Stevens was landing some punches. He was chopping the legs down. And... It's it's similar because Yair and Zabit have a similar frame. They both kind of they both kick a lot. It's just Zabit is so much better moving backwards. He has better boxing. He's got the way better ground game. He actually took Stevens down and kept him down for a little bit in that fight. So the threat of the ground game is not going to be there from Yair. The threat of the the accurate punches moving backwards aren't going to be there. Stevens is only going to really have to look out for the flashy kicks and the flashy spinning techniques of Yair, which are which are dangerous, but I think that Stevens will be able to deal with it. Now, I, I like this fight for Stevens a little bit more. When it was five rounds, I thought that the pressure would wear on Rodriguez and Stevens would really start uh, outboxing Rodriguez in the later rounds and possibly getting that finish, but I still think Stevens can get it done in three rounds. He's just going to have to be a little more aggressive. And th there's a chance that these guys come out really aggressive and real emotional because they both they, their fight got canceled. They were talking shit. There was a lot of animosity and emotion between the two of them. And I think that they could just come out and swing it for the fences in this one. But I think Stevens will be the one pressuring. He will be the one getting into his range, which will be the boxing range. I don't think Rodriguez will have the footwork or the, the backwards boxing in order to keep uh, – Stevens off of him and then Stevens going to get into range he's going to chop Rodriguez's legs down and he's look going to look to find a, a home for that overhand right and I think he does I think Stevens gets the knockout in this one I'm going to go with a second round knockout for Jeremy Stevens in terms of the money lines in this one I guess you could bet on Stevens I, I remember I had some bets on Stevens at plus 105 plus 110 before that fight got canceled he hasn't even made it to plus money since the fight has been out so there's not much value in the lines in this one I I guess you could bet, throw throw some uh, one or two units on Stevens but I think it could be a little bit closer of a fight over three minutes even though I don't really have too much faith in Yair I think that Stevens gets this one done and he gets it done by knockout 
the next fight is the main event of the evening in the 205 pound lightweight division we got chris weidman who is 14 and 4 taking on dom reyes who is 11 and 0 the opening betting line for this one was reyes the favorite at minus 185 to weidman plus 145 right now we are seeing reyes minus 160 to weidman plus 150 so two-way action coming in on this fight I agree with the uh, the two-way action. I think that this this line could be a bit closer. Yeah, former 185 champion Chris Weidman moving up to 205 pounds for the first time. He's one in four in his last five fights, and and in all of those fights, he's taken a lot of damage. He's been knocked out a few times. He in even in the fight that he won of those four, he was knocked down in that fight uh, with straight left hand from Kelvin Gastelum. So he he struggled lately. He he got. He's just taken a lot of damage over the past few fights. He's definitely declining, and this move out of 205 is a move out of desperation. And I talked about it last week on the podcast with Nico Price. Whenever you see a guy moving up in weight after two or three losses in a row, it's it's not a good sign. It's it's showing that nothing is working at the weight that they've always been fighting at, and they're looking for anything to improve their chances at winning. And if that means uh, going up. 20 pounds in weight like Weidman is then that's that's what he's doing and we could see an improved chin we could see improved cardio from Weidman or we could see him be undersized we could see that chin not improve and he could get knocked out by Reyes early but I don't think that happens honestly I think this is going to be a good fight for Weidman I think that he could uh in implement his his grind and take down top pressure ground and pound type of game plan that he likes doing and i think that he could beat reyes in this one and i'm actually going to pick weidman to win this one so getting down to how this matchup comes down reyes will be the better striker at range he's going to be the the natural light heavyweight in there he's going to have a reach advantage i'd say he has the boxing advantage in this one although weidman has been making boxing improvements uh, leaps and bounds from fight to fight and his, his hands look sharper than ever versus Jacare that last fight. He was winning rounds one and two of that fight before he started. His cardio dropped off around the eight-minute mark. His output dropped off, and he started getting hit with a lot of shots from Jacare. And eventually, in round three, these boys were trading back and forth combinations. And eventually, Jacare Souza was able to find a home for that overhand right and knock Chris Weidman out. That's Weidman's problem is he wins fights early and then loses late he was doing that with romero and musasi and uh and rockhold even and in that case versus jacare and he ends up getting knocked out in all of them so it's a it's a bad habit he tends to throw fights away a little bit but i think that he will have a, a better cardio at 205 he's going to have the wrestling advantage definitely the jiu-jitsu advantage versus reyes in this one reyes has shown pretty good takedown defense he stuffed a bunch of osp's takedowns uh, but that, that fight versus volcan ozdemir was kind of worrisome volcan ozdemir is not really a great grappler and he was able to take reyes down a few times he was able to just kind of hold on to reyes and maybe get 30 seconds a minute of top time but reyes has pretty good get ups he's got good takedown defense and it's going to be difficult for weidman to get him down but i think weidman's got the style for it because reyes he'll get taken down once and he'll bounce right back up and when he gets up he does it very explosively or i don't know if that's even a word he does it very powerfully and uses a lot of explosion to get back up to his feet he doesn't use a lot of technique and that kind of leaves him open for possible submissions possibly getting taken back down again so i think we're going to see Wyman come out here and pursue the takedown real hard 
and he might get Reyes down, and then Reyes is going to bounce up. But that's where that's where Weidman's uh, second layer of takedowns is going to come in. He's going to drag Reyes back down to the canvas. He's going to try to tire Reyes out, get a dominant position, mount side control back take, and look to either get a ground and pound TKO or a submission. And I think this fight actually has a decent chance. It ended up looking a lot like the fight versus Gastelum and Weidman, where... Gastelum had some success early with the striking. Reyes might have some success early. And then in rounds two and three, I expect Reyes' output to drop off like it always does. It dropped off extremely versus OSP. It dropped off even versus Volcan too. He's only been in the second and third round twice in his entire career. He's got like nine first round knockouts and only been in the decision twice. And both of the, or one of those was a great performance versus OSP. One was a little bit of a shaky performance, split decision versus uh, Volkan Ozdemir. So he's never fought the five rounds. And it's going to be uncharted territory for, for Reyes in those later rounds. And that's where I just favor Chris Weidman to take over this fight. He's going to have that five-round experience. He's going to have that wrestling advantage. And if he's able to trap Reyes on bottom in rounds one and two and expand some of that energy of Reyes, it's going to pay dividends in those later rounds. And we could possibly see a finish from Weidman in rounds three, four, and five. So I'm going a bit against the grain in this one. I haven't seen too many people being confident in Weidman. I've seen a lot more people thinking that Reyes is going to stuff the takedowns and is going to do damage on the feet versus Weidman and possibly even knock him out. But I think that this striking in this fight will be a little closer than people think. I think people are assuming Reyes is going to have a massive advantage striking. I think it's going to be more of like a 60-40 advantage for Reyes in the striking. He's going to have the reach and the size advantage. But Wyman is his boxing defense is or his boxing offense is always improving. He always hasn't has the best uh, boxing defense, but. I just think that he's going to find a way to grind this one out. I think he's going to get those takedowns. He's going to pursue them hard, chain together multiple attempts, get top position, tire Reyes out, and get that late finish. So uh, picking Chris Weidman to get it done in this one. I I hadn't thought about who was going to win this fight until like a day ago, maybe even today. And I was kind of surprised that I think that Weidman is going to win. You know, pre-tape, I guess I kind of lean Reyes, the, the natural light heavyweight. He's on a win streak. He's looking good. He's looking improved fight to fight. His takedown defenses look pretty decent. Get-ups have looked good. But when I watched the tape again, when I watched it back, I saw some mistakes from Reyes. I saw some some holes in his takedown defense and his get-ups. And, uh, and I watched that fight back with Gaslam, and I was way impressed with Weidman. He he grinded that one out. His takedowns, the top pressure looked good in that one. And he eventually got the submission in the third round versus well, Gaslam. So I'm going to pick the same outcome in this one. I'm going to go with Weidman to win by third round submission. So in terms of the betting so far, not that many bets locked in. Let's see here. We got uh, two units on Kyle Botchnack at minus 145, two units Charles Rosa at plus 130, uh, one unit on Lozon at plus 140. And so far, no bets, but the ones I will be um, considering would be the Holland money line, Spitz money line. Got a small play on McGee money line. I forgot to mention that one. Uh, possibly Costa round one. Um, 
maybe Macy Barber money line, maybe Jeremy Stevens money line, and possibly even Chris Weidman money line. So a lot of prospecting bets. I'll have to make my final decision over those over the next 24 hours. But you can catch my final bets over at my Bet MMA Tips page, which you can find on my Twitter, or I will probably tweet out my bets before the event as well. Follow me on Twitter at UFO underscore UFC ufo underscore ufc so hope you all enjoyed episode 80 hope you all enjoyed the card this weekend and i will catch you all next week peace